Welcome back. We're going to talk again today about Cantos 8 and 9, Sphere 3 of Dante's Paradiso, the Sphere of Venus. Yesterday, just to recapitulate what we talked about so that we have the argument all at once and not brought into two. We had major concepts question. How does a sweet seed go bitter? How does a good egg go bad? How does a person made perfect corrupt himself? And this is based on the question from Canto 8, lines 91 and 93, as spoken by Charles Martel, who speaks uh, for what? He starts, I think, the 30th line, uh, around line 31 or so of the 8th canto and stops at the 6th line of the ninth canto. So let's just go through this very quickly. So, the good, which for Dante is God as primum mobile. I'll talk about that in the next slide. Or first mover, which is an Aristotelian concept like form or matter. First moves all the heavens, standing in the Empyrean above all. By offering itself as what is called a final cause in Aristotelian language, that towards which all things strive, as well as a formal cause in Aristotelian language, that which imbues all things with form. And so the idea is that all things are striving to have the perfect form like God. The destiny of a being, let's think of a human in this case, therefore exists in the mind of God in potency, as in One's destiny and the perfect idea of it exists as an idea before one lives it out, but also, as consequence, provides the well-being or proper path to being. So if your destiny already exists in potentiality, so does also the perfect path towards it. If I put a dot on the board, your starting point, your origin, I put another dot on the board, which is your destiny, can you plot out what the perfect course would be between one dot and another? Yes, mathematically, you would say, obviously, it would be a straight what? Line. Line. That said, what be getting in the way in life? Yourself, life, the fact that you are mixed with matter and around a bunch of other conscious agents that do things you don't want to do, life is a bit messy. I think that's often why it's represented less as a straight line and more like a spiral. Back to the argument. Back to the argument. So, otherwise, if one did not have a destiny, and thus a perfect way to get to one's destiny or a way to judge one's well-being or status along the way towards that, how could we judge someone at all if we did not know where they were and thus what their relationship to their current goal was? Thus, imperfections in the world come not from one's nature, but what is called your causes and effects, which are various. It comes from 122, 123. And, eight. and so the causes seem to be people's choices, and the effects are the effects of their choices. So, very briefly, just to lay out some of the terminology we're talking about here. This is the Aristotelian cosmology. That means the world system or the system of the heavens. This image up here of concentric circles is actually perfect. You notice the bottom one is Earth with hell inside of it beneath it. You see the spheres of the heavens all above that, the seven heavens. You see the additional three above that. The sphere of the fixed stars, that's the constellations, um, we will see there the three holy virtues perfected, not subject to shadow. We see above that the crystalline heavens, and above that, which is actually the whole, that's why it looks sort of odd and three-dimensional, is the empyrean, the empyrean, the inside of fire, like the purgatory. Empyrean, pyre, same idea as fire, same word, in fact, from Greek. So, the primum mobile, that term in Latin and Greek, means God, the first mover. All good comes from God and strives back towards it. Aristotelian conceit. 
Thus, the planets and stars, the ones we are in in heaven right now, which are actually made of souls and angels, forever circle the good or God, which is the prima mobile. And remember, this is Aristotle's idea about the heavens. Obviously, this is based, or Ptolemy, a later um, cosmologist, would codify this system. It's geocentric. It would later be proven wrong by Copernicus and um, later by Galileo with his use of the telescope. So I'm not saying that this is how it is. I am saying this is what the argument is. This goodness, or excuse me, so the good, which is thus diffused from the prima mobile, think of it as light, is diffused throughout the stars and planets. So it goes through heaven down to earth in accordance with their perfection. This goodness then makes it down to earth. Now the difference between earth and heaven is that earth is a mixture not only of form or that which is perfect but also of what which is corrupt corruptible and temporary and makes it so that everything on earth can com become corrupt and die matter matter right so earth is actually very different and the things on earth including humans are made of not only form or the goodness of god but also of matter which allows for corruption and degeneration and also for free choice. Because something you'll notice about the stars and heavens is that they move in perfect unity with the divine precisely because they have no matter. Which might make you wonder, ah, Mr. Schmid, the stars and the heavens are supposed to have both soul and the highest faculty of soul, which is intelligence. Humans also have that. But something interesting said, not only by Aristotle, but also by Aquinas, is that the will is directed perfectly of the stars. That's why they make a circular motion. We know it's actually elliptical now, so that their will never wavers. So the moment something has intelligence, it also has a will. But if it does not have matter, its will is already always, or excuse me, its will is always directed towards the proper object. But if a creature with intelligence is mixed with matter, it does not always choose to move towards the good. It has its own choice. It can choose to diverge or to divert from its destiny. And that is, for Dante, how evil enters the world. It is simply hamartia, which is a Greek term from archery, which means to miss the mark. So his idea of sin or evil is simply to miss hitting your own what? Target. Your own target, your own destiny, right? And so who's that bad for? Yourself. Yourself. And if you live within a differentiated society, which needs you to have a specific skill to use for good, it's also bad for whom? Society, too. So it's just not a good thing. Thus, humans are made of their incorruptible form, which trickles down to them from God through the stars, which also makes them strive towards God because they are of the same nature and thus strive to be back towards it like how fire strains towards the heavens. But they can fail to live up to their destiny because of, A, as we said, the corruptibility of matter, their body in this case, and the corruptibility of the will. One does not have to choose to do the right thing, or rather, one has the choice of whether to do the right thing or not in this world. Moving forward, this is where we start today. So, we asked this question from the slide before. We had D that said, thus imperfections in the world come not from one's nature, one's perfect form that trickles down from the stars and from God, but from your causes and effects. So what is a particularly human cause and effect? Well, we talked about that. And in fact, Dante gives us a clue. He mentions Solon, who was a great lawgiver. 
he mentions Xerxes, who was a great king. Melchizedek, whose name literally means great king. He's a Hebrew king. And Daedalus, who was a great inventor. Why does he mention these individuals? Well, what's not unique about them? Being a king, being a lawgiver, being an inventor. We have plenty of those. But what's unique about them is their greatness. And so what is it that they choose? They choose to live up to their destiny. They choose to bring good effects into the world. And so what we have laid out here, and the scholar that uh, Sison, who translated your particular uh, divine comedy, agrees with this, he agrees that causes which determine the differences in this world happen to be people's character and their choices and their effects. Well, they, are, they exist along a range. One can do one's job very, very well and be great, and one can do one's job or fulfill one's function or live up to one's destiny very, very poorly and be judged as the opposite of great. And so human choice does allow for a good nature to go to ruin if you only choose to allow it to. It's sort of like having a very nice plant, and it starts to degenerate, to degenerate because you don't give it water. Is it the plant's nature to degenerate, or is it simply because you're not feeding it and it's starving? Because you're not feeding it and it's starving. Well, that seems to be part of the reasoning that Dante is including here. So, since one's nature is impressed onto one's form, as in one's particular destiny, thus one's type, king, in the case of Xerxes or Melchizedek, inventor with Daedalus, scholar with Solon, in, One's nature is impressed onto one's form in accordance with one's ascending or governing planet. So let's think about this. God shoots out goodness as the eternal source. He goes through the planets. One thing we notice about the planets in heaven, in the Paradiso, is that each has its own character. And especially we're going to notice this in the upcoming ones. The, the more defined planets, the best defined planets. In the sun, we'll see two circles possibly three at the very end. If one's goodness goes through that planet and comes down to the earth, one becomes a scholar or a thinker, the sort of person that could rise to the heights of the sun at some point, like Thomas Aquinas or St. Bonaventura, the famous Dominican and Franciscan, uh, respectively. Well, if one's uh, goodness goes through Mars, one becomes a holy or great warrior. And again, you have the choice According to Dante, whether you live up to this destiny or not, you do not get to choose what your destiny is. However, if one's uh, goodness goes through Jupiter, one is destined to be a great judge or ruler. And this is prefiguring what we will see in the next four um, spheres. And if one's substance or form or the goodness of one, one's nature comes down through Saturn, one becomes what is called a contemplative, a great thinker, a wise person. Very similar, I would say, to those on the sun. In fact, a piece of evidence that Dante here includes is that Jacob and Esau, who from the Old Testament were, I believe they were children of Isaac, um, they, they were twins, not quite twins. In fact, Esau was older than Jacob. They were brothers. And yet, they have very different fates and destiny. And so a claim that Dante makes is he says, but if they came from the same parents, why aren't they exactly the same people? And why aren't they the exact same type? And I think that's a very interesting question, too. Because something we do know is that uh, judges, 
People who become judges often have parents who are judges. Something interesting we also know is the lifetime education of mothers tends to dictate what the lifetime education of their children will be. So if, say, your mom's a doctor, you are more likely statistically to be a doctor. That said, it doesn't guarantee, none of that is guaranteed. They're just statistics. Statistics are very rarely causative. And so let's understand this. Why is it the case that children of the same parents can be so different? Well, we already have a theory here. If the idea behind where your nature comes from is it comes from God through a planet and then into you and whichever planet it comes from, and this is the idea behind astrology and having your ascendant planet, by the way, if you're into that sort of thing. Um, if your soul comes down through a different sort of planet, well, then different children from the same parents could have their being come from through different planets themselves. So one child could be, say, a great judge. Another a great contemplative, another great warrior. Interesting. Let's keep moving. So, and here it is. Here it is right here. And now we're including the lines not only 891 but to 123, but also up to 148. So here's the quote from 133 to 135. Generated nature would always follow the path that was trodden by the generator. So the generated nature would be you, a kid. The generator would be your parents if divine providence were not in control. Okay, there's something that Dante adds here. You'd be exactly like your parents and probably exactly like your siblings, except for something called divine providence, which literally means the divine ability to see, which is often defined as God's ability to see all time and all things at once, the so-called omniscience, which means that God would see all the whole as it's supposed to be at once. Whereas humans, of course, subject to time, see in a linear sort of fashion, though we do talk about circles quite a bit and have laps, indicating that a circle is an image of a perfect perception because in a circle you see both the beginning and the what all at once. And the end. And that is supposedly, according to these ancients and medievals, how a god would see, which is very powerful. It is very similar to how Zeus sees, knowing fate, of course, and working to bring it about in the Iliad. And so, what does this mean? Well, we have two ideas up here. The divine providence, which sees the structure of the universe, slash is God, arbitrarily, that means by its own choice, chooses which natures are sent to one's bodies, and through which stars, I would add. And so, children differ from their parents and each other. This also explains the differing abilities in people. Because... And let's, let me read that one more time. The divine providence, structure of the universe, or God, arbitrarily chooses which natures are sent to one's bodies. And so children different from their parents and each other. And this also explains differing abilities in people. This means that the divine providence, well, if the divine providence is the ability of God to see all things at once, who definitely does not see in that way? Us as humans. And so... Is this an attempt by Dante to account for the fact that different humans born to the same parents can be different sorts of people with differing talents? Because to us, as far as we're concerned, we're different from our siblings and the people around us randomly. We don't know why. We are not the same as them. They have different temperaments. We often have different goals. If you have a sibling, you certainly know this is true. I have one. I certainly know this is true. There are lots of similarities between us. We, have, we share you know, about half of the same genes. And, and so this is something Dante didn't know. We actually know at this time, 
But the reason why you are so different often from your siblings is that you receive half of your genetic material from your parent, from one parent and half from another. Which halves you get is, well, we would still say it's sort of random. Uh, we're, we're just about the, at the point where we can say divine providence as well. So that's about how far we've gotten on that. And so, the divine providence, thus, is the vision of God, as I said, which sees the nature and thus potential destiny of all humans. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> but what is the consequence of people's natures or destinies being set by God rather than by man? This is a part that modern people do not like, especially when you were all freshmen and you heard about the notion of fate and destiny. Many of you outright rejected it. And so let's understand what Dante is saying here because he does not have a superficial idea of destiny. He does not, like weak thinkers, believe that if you have a destiny, Therefore, your will is constrained for all time, and you have no freedom of will. That's called hard determinism. It's a very weak way of thinking. So, let's see what he says here. Nature always, if she find a fortune hostile, just as she does with any other seed out of its region, makes a poor job of it. This is, of course, a reference to a New Testament quote about uh, the sower of the seeds. He sowed amongst some thistle, on some rocks, and then in some verdant soil. That's the notion behind a giver of information throwing out concepts like a teacher. Most of the concepts fall on deaf ears. Some of them, though, fall into verdant pasture and then grow into great shade-giving thoughts. Very few. Very few. And so, if nature or society happens to be unfriendly to your type or job, too bad! Because nature is blind. And as far as we know, the divine providence is blind to what it is that we want. And so, there is a correlate here with genes in evolutionary thinking. The idea seems to be that with humans these days, we all have so many different temperaments and talents so that we can work within a differentiated society. Though it does happen to be the case that nature is somewhat random. If you, say, were born in the Soviet Union and were an intellectual, during the terror, as it was called, in the middle of the 20th century, and you were very outspoken, as interesting an individual as you would have been, they would have sent a death squad to kill you, which happened to many, many, many teachers during the course of the terror. Which means that, well, sometimes it happens to be the case that you get a personality and skill set which do not work in the time in which you exist very well. Sorry. And that's how Dante explains how some people are not fit for this world. They, they find themselves in the wrong time or in the wrong place. And that is a feeling that I would say a lot of young people seem to feel, the feeling of displacement. Next quote from 142 to 144. The first one was just before in 139, 141. And if the world down there would give its mind to the foundation nature herself lays, says Laws there, and was guided by that, it would have excellent people. If people accepted and lived according to their nature and destiny, the world would be a better place. The idea seems to be, this is Dante's idea. We live in a differentiated society where people have differing abilities and temperaments. This is a good thing. It allows us to have maximal production. We can have warriors, scholars, leaders, judges, farmers, painters, all sorts of interesting people. And his idea is that if you just lived up to your destiny and became the painter, the doctor, the lawyer, the nobleman that you were supposed to be, at the very least, things would start to get a little better in your life, which would start to get a little better for society itself. But the problem is this. 
What is the consequence of people's, or excuse me, but you, and these are the last four lines of the canto, force into a religious order someone who would be better with a sword, and make a king of someone who should be a preacher. No wonder your journey takes you off the road. And that reminds us again of the very first three lines of the Inferno, when we found ourselves in a dark wood off the Via Smarita, the straight path, or excuse me, the Via Dorita, the straight path. Hmm. If man would accept his destiny and not try to force himself to be a different type or profession from what was a natural slash what he was meant to be, the world would be better by being more in accordance with the divine providence. And so how is this determined? By humans using their intelligence to observe the effects of other humans rather than prejudging them. All right, to reiterate, just because we got because we had a phone call. If man would accept his destiny and not try to force himself to be a different type of profession from what was natural slash or what he was meant to be, the world would be better by being more in accordance with divine providence. That seems very logical. Well, how is this determined? By humans using their intelligence to observe the effects of other humans as well as themselves rather than prejudging them in order to see where they belong. Rather than assuming that you are just like your parents and your brothers and saying you must be this or that sort of person, I, as teacher, should see what you are gifted at or skilled at or interested at in order to correctly guide you into your proper profession. And if you were to ask, Mr. Schnid, is that why in a differentiated society our teachers are not our parents but also actually private individuals like you who have no personal relation to us, I would say, obviously, we give you additional what on yourselves? Insight. Insight or perspective. That's right. And that's why they say it takes a village. All right. Thank you for staying late, y'all.